welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. Well, welcome to Girlfriend It. This is Patty Wyatt, and I will be your host today. And I have a question for you. Are you in that chapter of your life where you are doing quite a bit of reinventing and a whole lot of reflecting, Uh, especially this time of year where you see that graduations are taking place and prom dresses being sold? And this causes you to remember some of those fabulous moments that you love so much. And how do you deal with these emotions? How do you deal with that passage in life to the next season, uh, the next chapter. Well, today we have a treat. We get to hear from Elise Fitzpatrick, author of 23 books. She has her master's degree in biblical counseling, and she lives in San Diego, California, but speaks across the United States. So welcome, Elise. How are you today? I'm really well. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, Elise, I just found out that you were from San Diego. I was just there last week, actually for the last week and a half. Uh, we go there with my entire, well, not my entire family. There's, I'm the baby of six. So there's quite a few of us. I believe there was 24 all um, hijacking condos there in California. And uh, I, I'm also leaving next week to go teach on the Navy base. And we were just sharing that. And uh, of course, you asked me a question: Where on the Navy base? And <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't gone that far in life yet because I, I am still reinventing it. So, yes. anyway, all of that is to say, I love your state. And are you a surfer? Uh, I'm a bodyboarder. Ah. So, um, no, I'm not a surfer, but I am a bodyboarder, and uh, and I have a wetsuit and the whole thing. And every year at the beginning of summer, when I try to put on my wetsuit and actually can fit in it again, I always declare that, yes, this proves there is a God. So, (laughs) uh, yes, I love Southern California. Uh, I've lived here my whole life. It's Mm -hmm. really very much part of my identity. Mm. Well, um, I'm with you on the wetsuit. And unfortunately, that's a part of my identity. And I don't like that trying to get on that wetsuit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's really cool, though, because now they're coming up with some amazing uh, rash shirts, you know, mm-hmm. the swimwear that yeah. kind of keeps you warm where you don't have to put on the, the full wetsuit. And mm-hmm. I did more of that this year. Uh, but love boogie boarding, love all of that. Yes. I try yeah. to surf, but I pretend is what, what I do. <laughs> Um, so with that, that kind of leads right into our today's topic because, um, I'm just now entering that empty nester season and I know it's a whole syndrome that we can get into. Uh, I actually, my, my youngest is 20. She just graduated a little early, um, from ASU and she's still in the home, but yet I'm in that place where I know it's you know, she's done with dorm life. She's back in going, okay, what's next? And I've heard it can truly be a life-changing experience, but I definitely believe it doesn't have to throw you off track. God has so much 
happiness in store for the empty nester um, and just moving us forward. So I can't wait to hear your tips and tricks for this phase of life as we are continuously growing and reinventing ourselves for a fresh new season. And as I said all that, um, I, I'm here to have you and interview you and then I'm doing all the talking. But when I, you know, sometimes you say something and you listen back and you go, okay, I know it's not all about our happiness. It's about <laughs> our holiness. So when I say that God wants us to be so happy, it's like, no, I, I know it's bigger than that. So I, I just had to backtrack. So with that, what are some tips that you have as we're going into this new season? Yeah, thanks. Um, first of all, let me say I have three adult kids and um, <clears throat> when you told me how old, when you just said how old your daughter was, I thought, oh my goodness, I hope she doesn't ask me how old my kids are. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's some place in their 40s and one is, I think, like 51 or 52. And I have six grandchildren, mm. which I, I actually do know their ages. They ranges from 16 to 22. And the 22-year-old, uh, we were actually just out in Chicago at his college graduation. Mm. And uh, that was lovely. Um, but wow. I... Yeah. So, you know, and I'm going today to one of the grandchildren's high school graduation. So four of them will be graduated and two still in. And so, look at you. You're still surviving life and you're still squeezing into a wetsuit. That's, that's <laughs> inspirational right there, Elise. I'm not sure if it's inspirational or if it's insanity. It's one of the two, but it's fine either way. Um, you know, it was really hard for me. I remember the day that my son, my youngest son, who is now in his mid-40s, uh, went to college. And we, my husband and I drove into the parking lot of the college. And um, there was a big banner that said, welcome parents of, you know, the college uh, the students. And I burst into tears. Mm. I did. I burst into tears and I said, I, how, how can it be that my baby, this one's the baby, my baby is now in college and that means that all of this is over. Mm. And, and my husband in his inevitable way said, uh, there is no crying in college. I mean, actually, there's a lot of crying in college, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a time of change, and in a way, it's a change that we've looked forward to for years. Mm -hmm. we, we want our kids to grow up and change and live respectable lives and live on their own. We certainly don't want them living in our basement when they're 40. On the other hand, um, it's difficult. It's really hard. And one of the things that was really helpful for me, a couple of things. First of all, is just that that passage in Ecclesiastes, you know, that that we all know and we sang if we grew up during the time with with the birds um, about it. there. There is to everything. There is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Mm -hmm. So this is a season. 
it was a season when we had our children and we learned, we stretched and learned to accommodate other lives, lives we were responsible for, lives we loved and poured ourselves into. And now this is another season. It's a season of learning to let go. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I heard someone say about that time was, life is a series of divestitures. And basically what that means is that I need to stop looking at my life as though I'm going to spend uh, my entire life gathering to myself, gathering to myself, having all the things around me, and rather understand that there will be a there will be times when I do gather to myself but then there are also times when I when I give things away you know there's a there is a time to to build up there is a time to keep and a time to cast away and the empty nest is one of those times. My youngest son's going to college. My, our daughter, when she was married, um, I mean, I sobbed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did sob. I'll, I'll tell you that we fought so much about the wedding. um that actually that was a good thing because then I was glad she was gone for a little while (laughs) don't Um, you think God does that sometimes yes I I love my 20 year old and she's the most like me out of my three kids (laughs) but there are times like you said you sob because you're you don't really care for some of the things they say or their choices and then you get excited that they are moving out of your house, but yet you still want to talk to them every day because you adore them and they're so much fun and you're so close. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's learning to, you know, like you said, it's, it's a reinventing of yourself. So for decades, the person I was, I was Phil's wife, and James, Jessica, and Joel's mother. But now, who am I? Well, a couple week, weeks ago, I was Wesley's grandma who went to Chicago. Yeah. And today, I'll be the grandmother again. But, you know, it, it's, it's a learning again to take the things that are important and say, yes, they're good, but not hold on to them to the point that I have no identity outside of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and, go ahead. Well, just when you said that, and you know, I have no identity outside of them. That's the part that I know I'm reflecting on. Um, I'm in that stage where I, I don't believe that you ever retire in life. You know, nowhere in scripture does it talk about retirement. And I want to completely go, okay, God, what, what's next? You know, where, where do you need me? Where, where's the impact? Where do I need to be learning? What do I need to be doing? So I want that to be um, a part of my purpose. And yet on the other hand, I do find myself wanting to be available for my, my three children. And I, I have one grandchild and I have um, two coming up next month and and a little bit down the road. And so you're going, do I want to slow down 
in my career? Do What part of reinventing do I want to do? Because I don't want to miss it. I know, you know, we hear it all the time. No one, you know, right before their funeral is saying, I wish I would have had more emails and I wish I would have worked longer hours. So you, you're playing with that going, what, am I really hearing you, God? What are you suggesting here? And I, I know research shows that women over 50 are amongst the happiest and most content. Uh, so if you are currently in the middle of this stage right now and you're wondering what's next, uh, this, like I said, this empty nest syndrome, it's actually a very fun season if you get your mind right, right? If you can reframe your brain. So how did you reframe to go, there is life after your children leave home and after the sobbing and the, and the tears? How did you reframe? Well, you know, it, it has to start with understanding that we're not alone, we're not alone in our grief and our loss. And of course that comes, brings us back to our faith. And uh, Hebrews 4.15 tells us that we're not, we do not have a high priest, priest, that's Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So the first place to my way of thinking that we always have to start is in our faith. So what do I know about Jesus Christ? What I know about Jesus Christ is not only does he understand what I'm going through because he's God and of course he's omniscient, but also he understands what I'm going through because he lived an entire life of giving giving things away and giving away relationships and having to not define himself by who he gets to talk to today. He was tempted in every respect. So he was tempted just like me to say, what's the point? I mean, why did I spend all these years pouring myself into these kids for to have them walk away? Mm -hmm. He was tempted and he understands that. But not only was he tempted in that, but he also responded perfectly. So that's that's my um, record. That's that's how God looks at me is having responded perfectly, even though, Patty, there were many times I did not respond perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my kids around me for me. Yeah. You know, as you said. They amuse me. They make me happy. They, not always, but they make me happy. They, um, they give my, they give my meaning, they give my life meaning. Mm -hmm. And so to begin, the first place we have to begin, and I just want to encourage every mom who's just brokenhearted right now, because off they go, <laughs> yeah. just to get down on your knees and say, my life's not my own. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? Mm. My mm. life is not my own. So, Lord, now show me how you want to use me. Mm -hmm. And then to begin, once you've done that, and that's not, a, that's not just a one sentence, like my life's not my own. That, that's got to be the way we frame our life. But then, <laughs> but then after that, to say, Lord, show me how you want to use my life now. And maybe you still have other kids in the home. And so then you 
um, you seek to love and help them and release them all the time, releasing into Christ's care everything that we love and have. And then, and then to say, how can I now be profitable to the kingdom? Mm. Mm. Well, you talk about my life is not my own. And, you know, we look in Luke where we, we die to self and mm-hmm. my, my brother that I'm super close to, uh, we were just talking about that. Like what it's easy as Christians to put the lingo out there and go, mm-hmm. Oh, just die to self. And then you go, what does that really look like? Mm-hmm. Like you used to think of it as, Oh, you know, you die to the old self, you know, you die to lust, you die to, you know, whatever it is that your stronghold is. And to say my life is not my own to get out of, and I'm not saying you're just talking Christianese. I'm saying, what did, give me an example of what you had to do because we pray that, but then we, we also have to take those action steps. I was talking to um, a friend the other day. Her her son just went to Europe. You know, he he left at eighteen and really went away. And you know, she's really struggling. And and we say that you know, you just have to give it to the Lord. <laughs> it's like, but I also know she's hurting. And I think we need to acknowledge that. Like, what what does that look like? What would a tip be to put that into action? Yeah, so I, I think in part, let me back up just a tiny bit in your question to what does it mean to die to self? I think what it means is that I die to my to my desire to have life, if I'm enjoying it, continue on like this forever. Okay, so I'm dying to my desire to have the people around me that I love and who love me and who make life lovely for me. I want to die to that desire. So then, you know, what does that actually look like? What it looks like is when I get up in the day and I know that I'm not going to see any of the beloved (laughs) little darlings, that instead of, you know, feeling badly, feeling sorry for myself, even if you will, uh, being angry, being cranky with my husband because I don't get to be around the people that I really love and want to be with, that I ask the Lord to help me. Okay, how can how can I love and serve the people who are actually around me today instead of feeling badly because I can't be around the people that I want to love and serve? That is exactly, okay, thank you for that. Because we see older people and we've probably experienced those relationships with people that instead of going, how can I love and serve? I I really like that phrase. How can I love and serve versus why didn't you call me yesterday? And why are you not, you know, doing this for me? How come you're not coming out? I haven't seen you in a month. You know, we've had those relationships where you want to go, why would I call you when whenever I talk to you, all I do is feel guilty because I'm not calling you. And you're going, but I'm calling you right now. I'm talking to you right now. Let's, let's be in the moment and be present. And I think it's easy to turn into that bitter person when we're not thinking about how can I love and serve? Yeah. And you know, that's exactly right. 
that, um, you know, uh, when my kids are around me, I want, and I'm just going to say, I, I wish I had gotten to this sooner and I wish I was more consistent in it. I want to be the person that they can be around that is not the dispenser of guilt because I want something from them. Yeah. So if I hear from them, then it's not a, well, why didn't you call me three days ago? Or when I'm with them and I know that they want to go do something and it doesn't include me, that I don't then get angry or feel sorry for myself or say, why aren't you inviting me? That kind of stuff. To be the sort of person that that can be that can stop being a guilt giver and be a grace giver instead. That's what I want to be. And boy, I, I would love to say to you that I did a great job of that, have always done a great job of that. I haven't. But, you know, it's been as they have my three adult children, they have put up barriers and they should. Yeah. Because they're adults and they have their own families and their own life. And so when they let me in, then I say, then I want to be happy and say, thank you for letting me in. But, you know, I've, I, I had to get to the place where I, I said to myself, when they're around me, I want to be a person that dispenses grace to them because the reality is everyone else around them is putting pressure on them. They don't need it from me. And besides that, they had it from me for 18 or 20 years already. So they don't really need any more of that from me. And uh, you said a couple of things there, Elise, that uh, I so appreciate and I, I really have to work on it myself is that it's okay for them to be uh, separated. I, I forget yeah. how you said it, but, uh, you know, I told you I just was in California and all, all my kids are there. And there are times when, you know, it's like we're all going to the pool or we're all going to the jacuzzi and to even stop yourself and go, it's okay for them with their spouses. My youngest isn't, isn't married, but for them to keep those relationships going to where you're not always having to be in the center. And for me, a seven Enneagram and big time with the FOMO, and I don't want to miss out on anything. And if they sit down to play cards or Yahtzee or whatever, it's like, what are we doing now? Yes. Yeah. Able to just be an observer. And I think that's what I feel that God is whispering, you know, it's okay now to let them, they're, they're reinventing their relationships as adults with their spouses. And sometimes me being in the picture, I change the dynamics because I can't let a pause of space. I have to fill that space with my amazingness. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. <laughs> and I, I and and of course also I have a I have an opinion which you know here I am. I mean I'm the person with all of the experience and yeah. I write books and whatever you yeah. know and so I I'm the one with the opinion and they they honestly they've already heard my opinion. They don't probably need to hear it again. You know it's interesting. I was listening 
I was actually re-watching the Netflix show, The Crown, oh, which yeah. I love that show. But yeah. anyway, there's a there's a scene in there where um, some of the relatives, I think the sister and the brother of Prince Philip are talking, and they're both in their 70s, which I'm in my 70s. And, and they said, they made an, he, they they came to an interesting conclusion. They said, we don't need to make everything happen that we want to happen we just need to observe now we just need to observe Mm. and you know I want to be there for them and as my kids are going through difficulties I want to be there for them and they frequently do ask my opinion but there are loads of times when they're doing things that I say "Mm, not sure that's the way I would do it but I don't say that to them unless they ask me Yeah. And what a great tip. And by the way, when you say you're 70, I wish everyone can see you because you, you, you look like you're 40. Okay. Well, that's fine. Let's just say, let's just put it where it is. But I know with your wisdom that you have a few more years than, than that one. But uh, yeah, I wish people could see you. Okay. We only have a couple minutes left and I, I wanted, um, for our listeners to be able to walk away and go, yes, I am in this chapter of life and I do need to rediscover all those fun adventures that you've set aside, you know, while you were raising your kids. So I just want to say, you know, get out that dream list, Uh, Mm -hmm. have that prayer. What, what do I need to do to seek to love, um, to release my children? My life is not my own. You know, make that list of the 20 top things that you would like to do to find your purpose as an empty nester. And maybe it's volunteering, you know, maybe it maybe it is traveling just so you can unhook for, from your kids for a while or take a culinary, you know, be a culinary ninja. That's the, I, I'm so Costco um, <laughs> dependent that I can't even imagine, you know, if it doesn't come in the freezer section. But <laughs> right. Figure it out. You know, one thing I, I've been doing is like decluttering all those things. You know, we start nesting when we're we're pregnant. And then now, you know, 20 years later, it's like maybe we should start nesting again as an empty nester. You know, yeah. you don't need the 5,000 photo albums that you put together because we did the creative memories forever. Uh, so get creative. You know, maybe there's a hobby that you can turn into a business, sell it on Etsy, journal, become a blogger. For me, I love to, you know, hike and kayak. And I, I try to start a new language, but it, I'm not in that season yet where I think I have so much time, but I, it's called dual something. But anyway, we, uh, we have less than a minute, at least what's what, we actually have 30 seconds. What's a great tip that you have for our listeners? I just wanna thank you, thank you, thank you. It was an honor to have you on the show. We'll have to have you back. So 30 seconds, great tip. Thank you. Your life's not your own. And this time you're in will change. So this is a difficult time, but this time will change too. And maybe you'll find new joy. Love that. And love finding new joy. Thank you, Elise, for being Thank on you. this. And we will have you on again. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 